0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Joshua Becker. Joshua is on the show today helping us to identify the obstacles such as fear, technology, money, possessions, and the opinion of others that keep us from living with intention. And then he provides practical ideas for letting go of those distractions today so we can focus on what matters most. Hello, Joshua, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you.
1: Well, I am happy to be here. It is a pleasure.
0: Thank you. You are the author of Things That Matter, about overcoming distraction to pursue a more meaningful life, and that is something we all want, so I'm so excited about this conversation. So what were you experiencing in your own life that you felt the need to pursue something more meaningful?
1: Yeah, that is a great question and interesting phrasing, actually. Um, so the, the book um, came out in April and I spent the last uh, two years writing it, uh, but probably my journey into thinking about the topic of the book um, started about 13 years ago when I discovered minimalism and I discovered... The, the joy and the benefits of owning less, and how all the things that I had bought and accumulated and wanted to buy and were taken care of, and just how all the physical possessions in my life were keeping me from more important things. Uh, specifically on a Saturday morning, cleaning out my garage rather than spending time with my son. And I'm like, what am I doing? taking care of a bunch of stuff I don't need when I should be investing time into my son's life. And so this is what started this journey of, hey, our possessions can become a distraction from things that matter, uh, but it's not the only distraction. And um, hopefully we'll get to talk about some of the others in this book, uh, in this uh, conversation. But the um, the question of, um, When did you feel like you needed to pursue something more important? I think what I discovered was my priorities were always the same. I wanted to be a good father. I wanted to be uh, a loving husband. I wanted to make a difference in the world. I wanted to help people. Like These were all things that I wanted to be true of me, Um, but I was beginning to discover how different things in the world were distracting me from that. I was a pastor for 15 years, and so, like, I, I believe that there's a, a good work that God has prepared for all of us to do. And when we allow worldly things, uh, worldly pursuits, to distract us from that, then we don't um, we don't accomplish as much as we can um, in the area of things that matter. So that's what the the book is about, and that was the moment. Um, 13 years ago when I started to see that, sorry for the long answer on the first one, we're going to go hours and hours. If I <laughs> no, if I talk actually, that long,
0: <laughs> it's actually wonderful. And Joshua, I, I didn't tell you this before we started recording. So my family and I, we've just moved into an RV. So there's a, my husband and my two children and my two dogs. And, and in full disclosure, we're, we are building a house. Um, but the reason I'm telling you this is because we have five storage units full of stuff. Hmm. And we, there's a few things we've missed, but overall, we've been fine with being more minimal. And that really wasn't the goal, but it's been really eye opening to see. You know, should we just have a big estate sale and just get rid of it all because we really have not missed it? And so, um, all that to say, God's yes, you should.
1: Yes, you should. If I if I get to speak into your life so early,
0: (laughs) this is the this is the confirmation I needed, (laughs) right? Yeah. Well, so you you actually also tell a fascinating story about a trip to Ecuador. So, how did this experience change your perspective on what's meaningful in life, and how would you suggest that we also discover it for ourselves?
1: So um, uh, the story I write in the book is a, um, uh, a story I, I took a group of teenagers to Ecuador, and we were doing uh, some work with some churches and schools and um, uh, just some work in, the, uh, in Quito, Ecuador. And the, the leader that we were down there with uh, took us uh, one afternoon, he took us on a trip, uh, a short excursion uh, to do something different that day. And he took us to the, he took us to the city dump, um, which uh, in Quito, Ecuador is not like a city dump that we think about here where, I don't know, everything goes underground or something. I don't know where everything goes, but it was just like this big, huge field where all the trash from the city was was dumped. And uh, we got off the bus and um, I didn't know what we were gonna be doing there, but he said, before we got off the bus as we were getting off he said today we are going to serve the people who live here in the dump and um the the whole idea that uh that this is where people lived they would make their living just looking for cans that they could recycle looking for things that they could resell I like they'd make just like pennies a day uh, and there were children and there were parents and um, uh, this Director had a had a heart to set up a little school um, inside this area um, for people, and um, it was a bit of a um, compilation, I think, of a lot of different um, trips overseas that I had taken to uh, to work with people around the world um, who were living in like real poverty, um, and I it really number one shook my understanding of what poverty actually looks like um, uh, i mean i i don't want to make any blanket statements because i know it's an issue here in america as well but you know poor in america looks pretty different than um than poor uh, other places uh, around the world and I, I think um both for me and for all the the teenagers that were that were with me i think when you begin to face um how so many people live around the world uh you can't help but wrestle with how much stuff we have and how we never seem to have enough stuff that we always want more things and we want more money and somehow we think if we have more we're going to be happier and yet you can look around the world and see people who um who like genuinely i I mean are living their lives with with far less and i um it's always forced me to reevaluate. Like, why do I keep thinking I need more stuff? Why do I keep thinking I need more more money when I'm doing so much better than eighty percent of the world does? So, anyway, just kind of wrestling with with some of those issues, and that um, brought that about.
0: Well, in your book, you've actually identified eight common distractions to a meaningful and no regrets life. So I'd love for you. I mean, I know we need to get your book to like really dive into them, but would you briefly touch on the eight distractions?
1: Yeah. So the book is about how do I uh, reach the end of my life with fewer regrets? And I think the way we do that is we discover what is most meaningful. Uh, We discover those things that actually matter that we can invest our lives into and to accomplish our best in those areas, we have to recognize the distractions that are keeping us from it. uh, And then work intentionally to remove them, and so the book lists eight distractions Um, number one uh, fear, so you know fear keeps us from trying new things and um, pushing forward in new things Uh, past mistakes. Um, which I define as uh, past mistakes that we've committed in our past or mistakes that have been committed against us, um, which is probably a light word to describe some of the injustice and evil that actually takes place. But um, I use it broadly. If something um, bad has happened to us in the past, it can keep us from uh, from fulfilling our our future if we don't address that. Uh, So fear mistakes, Um, Happiness, the pursuit of happiness, um, in selfish pursuits anyway. Um, Money, possessions, accolades, leisure, and and technology, or the trivial, I should say, the trivial more than technology. So those are the eight distractions that I uh, address in the book.
0: Well, you actually, you, you conducted a national survey um, that you had commissioned regarding people's experiences with these areas of life. So I, I'd love for you to share the results that you discovered.
1: Yes, I, uh, I conducted a national survey, which um, I'm just a, a little blogger, writer over here. And so to say that I did a nationwide survey always, I don't know, makes me feel kind of good, but anyway. Um, yeah, we because uh, number one, like I know what some of the distractions are in my life that that keeps me from uh, pursuing things that matter. But um, trying to get a, a broader understanding of what the distractions are and how significant they are in people's lives, um, really helped shape the the writing of the book and the the different distractions that I covered in it. Um, yeah, uh, some of the most interesting things that. Well, I don't know if they're most interesting. Well, some are interesting and some are just flat out heartbreaking, um, really. Uh, 77% of people say that they uh, feel like they are spending their time and resources on less important pursuits uh, than those things that actually matter in the long run, uh, which means that 77% of people uh, in the world should be getting the book, right? Is that 77%? Um, no, if uh, three out of every four of us uh, say that Um, We're spending time and resources on things that don't matter at the expense of things that actually do. Um, 80% of people say they would be happier if they had more money, um, which didn't surprise me because I think most people would say and think that they'll be happier if they have more money, despite us being One of the wealthiest nations in the history of the world, we uh, we still want more, uh, more and more money, and uh, over seventy over seventy percent of people say that they are daily motivated by their desire for more money, Um, and I I don't know how we become generous people if we think we'll be happier with more money. Like I I don't know how those two thoughts can be in our head at the same time. I'll be happier with more money and I will be generous in giving money away. They just don't, uh, they don't fit together. Um, But probably the most heartbreaking um, statistic we found in the book is that uh, 60% of people feel like a mistake they committed in their past is keeping them from the future they desire. And over 55% of people say that, a past mistake committed against them, uh, is keeping them from the future they desire. Um, which it's a lot of, it's a lot of potential, uh, that's being, um, bottled up and, um, handicapped. So, you know, anyway, those uh, are, I go through, I go through, I go through other results in the book, but, um, those are some of the ones that just stick out to me.
0: You know, they are sad, but they are not that surprising to me, honestly. I mean, it is, it's, it's that, that, that tension. And you're right, I mean, especially here in the United States, we, we are the wealthiest, but maybe some of the most unhappy people, which is, is interesting to think about. And, and you actually, um, I, I want to hear the correlation that you have found through this research and then the experience between serving others and, and having fewer regrets. What's the correlation?
1: You know, I, um, um, I started a nonprofit uh, several years ago called The Hope Effect, and uh, we're working to change how the world cares for orphans. And in our uh, research, um, we visited a number of different um, orphan care facilities and a number of different models uh, all around the world. And uh, we visited one in Mexico, and there was this um, really fascinating conversation that took place um, with us and the director. We were we were walking around the the facility and um, seeing their model and caring for orphan children, and um, it was this large campus and up on the hillside, there was like this little campground set up and um, so we asked hey what's the little campground for they were south of California. um, And he said, Oh, we if church groups come down or if school groups come down to serve, then they'll stay in this campground and we just let them stay on the property and we asked the follow up question and and I said oh and so what do they do they help you paint build help you paint your buildings or build new things or just the stuff that I'd done on different you know uh, mission strips and service projects in my life and uh, he said no no actually uh, they don't serve us uh, but they serve neighborhoods in the city. They serve churches in the city. They serve schools in the city. They they don't come here to serve us. And they said, as a matter of fact, um, we send our orphan children with the groups into the city to serve other people. And he said, because, uh, this was his phrasing. This was 10 years ago, uh, seven, or eight years ago. He said, because you can only overcome a victim mindset when you begin serving other people. Uh, that only when you begin seeing how much you have to offer, no matter what your background was, like these children had gone through things that no one should ever have to go through. I mean, whether it's parents dying or parents leaving them or like however it happened, like they had gone through significant trauma and um and we're learning to to deal with that and he said the uh like the way i get out of the way we get people out of oh um i'm the victim and can never accomplish anything is we have them start serving others and showing what they have to offer uh, offer others Um, and all the all the studies show it like all the studies show that when we give to others that when we serve others that when we help others we uh we tend to be more satisfied with our life um, um we, we get to life with fewer regrets there was a a gallup poll in 2014 and just i mean every survey says this but it just sticks out to my mind they um they ask people how much they volunteer and then um how happy they are with the life that they lived and across every age group, those who say that they were active in living for others um, reported being happier in life and uh, and it's across all age age groups and income brackets and the, the most fascinating conclusion at the end was the the very. Um, lowest uh, socio economic class, uh, like the people who had the least if they served others, they were happier with their lives than even the most wealthy who weren't active serving others. Um, And so anyway, just, yeah, a lot of research and um, experience. I think that we all have probably experience in helping others and how that just tends to bring a a longer lasting glow of happiness than buying things for ourselves. Which is not to say that there isn't room for self-care and making sure that we're um, the best that we can be to serve others, but um, keeping that as the focus and the goal. Yeah. You've seen that, I'm sure, right? Oh, You'd I was going right? to
0: say. I mean, I certainly. I, I mean, I I have seen that correlation to be true in, in my own life, and I'd love for you to you, you. Service is at the heartbeat of of everything, really, that you have said so far. So, what are what are some of the acts of service that you recommend? for us to do that would help us, as you call, you say, slay our monster of selfishness? Because it really is um, ourselves that kind of get in the way and our self-focus and our selfishness. So how do we, how do we slay that monster and, and focus on the things that matter instead?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think probably there's, there's two ways to think about this. Um, I think um, number one, there's, man, I, I, I try to help people Everyone, I think we need to recognize that um, generosity needs to be a discipline in our life, uh, rather than a response to our life. Um, when when generosity is a di- when generosity is just a response uh, to things happening in our lives, then when we have the extra money, uh, we're able to give. Uh, but when we see it as a discipline. Uh, And we give it um, regardless of what we have, regardless of what our circumstances are or what we think, what we think our circumstances are. Uh, We always see that we, uh, that we, the greatest benefit of generosity is realizing that we already have enough, um, that we did have money that we could give that we did have stuff that we could give um that our excess can be uh, can become a, a blessing to, to other people I, I had a um i often tell the story so i uh, try to encourage people to own less stuff and minimize their possessions which is one of the um uh, chapters in the book but just in a broader context i was talking to a lady one time and she was trying to get rid of her clothing uh, but she loved fashion and she like i just loved love my clothes and I knew that decluttering my closet was always going to be really difficult and I didn't know how I was going to accomplish that and she said um, but everything changed when I uh, was driving downtown I took a different route for work and I happened to drive by our city's battered women's shelter and uh, she told me she said I don't I don't even think I knew our city had one, or maybe I did know that our city had one, but I had no idea where it was, or what the work that it would be doing or how big it was. And she said, but I uh, but I drove by the shelter, and I started thinking about all the clothes in my closet that I just couldn't seem to part with. And she said, I, I realized I had hangers and hangers and shelves and drawers full of clothes that I was never wearing and then here were these women who I I don't know maybe escaped in the middle of the night with nothing but the clothes on their back and their children in their arms and their whole life was taken from them and they got to figure out how to start all over and um, I thought about all the clothes in my closet and how much beauty and dignity and honor that those clothes could bestow upon those women um, as they started over and she said it uh it changed entirely my my view of clothes uh, my view of how I was spending my money and I think when we when we start to see the need and we start to see that we have things that we can give that if your house is cluttered you have things that you can be giving Uh, if you're uh, if you have money coming in you have money uh, to be giving to others and so um, number one I think just recognizing uh, that we all have something that we can give and then in terms of where we can get uh, how we can do that and and where we can give I uh, I mean you can go through the usual list of volunteer at the homeless shelter or you know give um, give to your give to your church find the local boys and girls club and big brothers, big like uh, the battered women, show, like there's all those uh, typical things I think that come to people's minds. Um, but man, I'm, I'm a big believer that uh, we all have different passions for a reason, um, that there are different problems that we feel passionate about solving in the world, um, and that that that's a God-given passion. Um, I always think the the church gets in trouble when we judge people for sinning different, and the church gets in trouble when we judge people for serving different. Um, but God has given us all a different passion for different things. And so, like, what is that in you that you, uh, your heart just beats for, and and you want to be a part of solving? Um, and man, you could even just Google how, like, how do I, how do I begin serving here? Uh, how, charities in my area that that do this. Um, and uh, I think when you when you find that passion, um, the, the acts of service become easier and easier.
0: Yeah. And you know, what strikes me is that story specifically, as you told about your friend with the clothes, That was, that's the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and just to be sensitive to as where you're walking along your day and you sense the Holy Spirit nudge you, you know, you have something that can help that person, even if it's like it's raining outside, you're in your car, you have an umbrella and there's somebody standing on the side of the road that's getting drenched. Yeah. You know, I just, I think it's just obeying the, those promptings and, and, and looking to the people that are right next to us. And I just can't, every, everything that you said, I just keep, keep thinking about Jesus. Like he was the ultimate servant and he came to serve rather than be served. But yet we all have this mentality that we'd like to be served instead. I briefly want to pause today's episode to share some exciting news with you. A little goes a long way, 52 Days to a Significant Life, which is my print devotional, will release on October the 4th, but it is available for pre-order now at most major retailers. Y'all, this dream coming into reality would not be possible without you. Every comment, every prayer, every word of encouragement, every podcast listen, it has all mattered. It has all gone a very long way in my own heart and life. And so I just want to say thank you. You have played a significant role in my life. And my prayer is, is that this devotional plays a significant role in yours. My hope is that in these pages you will believe your life does make a difference and your contributions do matter in a culture where bigger is seen as better a significant life is actually simpler than you think pre-order your copy of a little goes a long way today this is not a question that i planned to ask but it's just coming to me now i mean your title of your book is things that matter and so for the person listening that's like what matters? (laughs) What is it that truly, you know, like it's really, we think it's clear, but maybe it's not. And at the end of the day, I mean, what I want to say is like God matters and, and people matter and we want people to learn to love and know God who really matters, who makes our life matter. I mean, what would you say? I want to hear. I mean, I I really want to, I want to kind of close with, with, with that. What, what matters?
1: Yeah. Um, So I I have two answers to that question Um, the the book is I I was a pastor for 15 years and. um, Obviously my my worldview is uh, based on on the Bible Um, it's a very biblical worldview and the the book. uh, is based on biblical principles, but it's not a it's not a Christian book uh, in terms of i'm not quoting scripture to to make my points Uh, I write it for a, a broader audience, because I think that that all of us can. Um, should be removing distractions to to live for things that matter. So, for me personally, like I, the the kingdom of God is is what matters. Um, and how am I helping God's will become um, on earth as it is in heaven? And uh, what is the the giftedness and the role that He wants me to play in the kingdom? Um, and that starts with my family, and then extends to relationships, and uh, extends to opportunities to. Um, allocate my resources, um, time, money, and, and talents towards uh, things that things that um, matter in His kingdom. So, like that's my understanding of what I believe things that matter. In the book, I I offer um, kind of three questions to help figure out what matters, regardless of your faith or, or non-faith background, and it is. Uh, What are my like what are my skills Uh, like what are my experiences and skills and talents like what am I good at doing or what am I learning how to do just. What are my abilities Uh, and then what is my temperament and what is my personality, Um, someone who's extroverted probably is going to have different things that matter than someone who's introverted. so, those factor in, and then uh, those need to mix with what is the need that I see in the world that I'm passionate about solving. Um, and so, when I can take my giftedness and when I can take my personality and I can recognize how that can, um, and what my passions are in life, and how that can fill a need in the world. Um, then I think these are the things that that matter most. And sometimes that means I'm investing my life into to one uh, one child or uh, mentoring one teenager in my community, or maybe it means I'm trying to start a podcast or I'm blogging or writing a book. like it um, like it all, uh it, it looks different for for each and every person. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we where where the body takes us all for sure. Yeah, perfect. Well, so Joshua, I know that I'd like to stay connected with you. I'm sure the listeners are going to want to stay connected with you. So how can we best do that and, and connect with your ministries as well?
1: Uh becoming minimalist.com is uh is home base for me and uh, everything that I do runs uh runs through <clears throat> runs through that. Uh hopeeffect.com is the the nonprofit that I started. Um and uh, Things That Matter, Overcoming to Distraction to Pursue a More Meaningful Life is the, is the name of the book. So this has been wonderful. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you for, for your time. This has been a, a convicting and a challenging conversation, but one that I think is really important. So thank you for helping us to discover the things that really matter and to overcome distraction to pursue a more meaningful life. God bless you. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Joshua Becker. We hope that today helped you to realize what matters most this week. Our love offering is from Joshua, and he says we become our best love offering by not being sidetracked from what we can offer the Kingdom of God by what the world is offering. If you're interested in show notes you can head on over to at racheladamsauthor on instagram or facebook i'd love to connect with you there i'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com there you can subscribe to receive the weekly love offering newsletter and all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week you can also find previous podcast episodes you can read the love offering blog series you can find the new shop which is i'm so excited to share with this a little goes a long way devotional in this message of significance. I have all kinds of significant themed merchandise such as sweatshirts now that it's fall, there's t-shirts that you can pair with a cardigan, there's a gold necklace, and also I will eventually have the devotional as of October 4th, I will have autographed devotionals there for sale as well. So I can't wait to um, share all that with you. You can actually, there is a special discount code, which is CAPITAL, all capital, INSIDER25, especially for my podcast listeners. So go and check that out. Um, I can't wait to share all of that with you. If you've not yet purchased your copy of A Little Goes a Long Way, you can pre-order that wherever books are sold. I also shared the book trailer over on my website. So all of this. I just cannot wait to share this message with you. Um, Please feel free to reach out to me, DM me, email me. Um, I'd love to collaborate with you, your your church, your women's ministry group, your book clubs, whatever it may be, to get this significant message out there. Next week, uh, my podcast guest is Vera Holloway. I met Vera at a called creatives retreat and heard her story and can't wait to share her story with you. She is a licensed counselor and had a first Uh, a really hard first chapter of her life, and so she's sharing that with us, but then she's also now sharing how to move past that first chapter and to start writing the second chapter. I can't wait to share that episode with you as well, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week, and as always, remember to lead with love.